you are entering a realm of imagination where dreams are told between the lines of the universe. This is a Midnight Tale podcast. I am your host, Celeste, your guide through this dreamscape. Hello and welcome everybody to the very first story of a Midnight Tale podcast. I am so excited you are all here for the launch. I can't wait to share all of the wonderful stories that I have saved waiting to be told. I'm glad that you're all here to join me on this adventure. Today's tale is about Lost Oak Lake and the mysterious death of my grandfather. I remember driving through the forest with tall pine trees on either side and the sun slowly dipping down. The light flashes brightly through the blur of trees. It was golden with streaks of bronzy orange. The mountain road was windy and the trees rushed by as I kept on driving. I had the window slightly cracked and I could smell the fresh, sharp pine scent streaming in through the windows, but I was just distracted by my own thoughts. I had soft music playing on the radio, just to have background noise to accompany me from the silence in the car and distract me from all of the buzzing going on in my own head. I was driving through the mountain pass in order to get to the lakeside cabin that was once owned by my grandfather. I was the only family who could come down to help to clean it out after he had died two months ago. I used to go down to the cabin every summer to go spend time with him, along with my younger brother, Adrian. My brother had planned to come along, but he had a small car accident that broke his ankle, so he wasn't going to be of much help. I had fond memories going down to the cabin, and the nostalgia kept growing the further down the road I went, and the trees became thicker, and all trouble seemed to just become a memory. My grandpa lived in a small Oregon tourist town that was chaotic and sparking with energy in the summer. I made lots of summer friends down by the lake that I still kept in touch with. I was always so sad to leave in fall, but it seemed like everyone else was in a rush to leave with the tourists after season except my grandfather and a few other townies. My grandfather moved to the lake after both my young uncle and his wife had died, which was years before I was born. He never left town after that for over 30 years. I snapped out of my thoughts for a moment as I saw the large wooden sign ahead that said, Welcome to Lost Oak Lake. I rounded the corner and was amazed by the sight of the lake ablaze with color. The lake was surrounded by a ring of oak trees that were all completely brilliant red. The lake reflected the golden light of sunset and the red of the trees. I had never been to the town in fall or winter because of school. I was surprised that no one advertised how beautiful this place was in fall. I drove down the lonely street to the convenience store to pick up some milk and extra groceries for my stay. As I parked, I saw one of the locals who was a neighbor and a family friend. I got out of my car and called, Hi, Mrs. Brecker. She turned around from her car and smiled widely. She said, Celeste, it's so nice to see you. She walked around her car and hugged me tight. She said, I am so sorry that we have to meet again under such sad circumstances. I said, me too. I wish I could have visited him before he passed. Maybe that would have helped. She said, he never doubted for a second your love for him. You and your brother were his world, and he would never do anything without thinking about you. 
I smiled slightly and said, I know you're right. I glanced around the main street plaza. It was the heart of the town with all the shops and restaurants. Everything looked closed and there were only a couple cars scattered around. I said, I never realized how many people left in fall. How many people are left? Oh, well, let's see, she said. There's about 50 of us. I said, wait, only 50? I thought there was at least 200 people that overwintered here. Don't you have any tourists that come in winter? She said, yes, just a bare-bone crew to keep watch over everything, so nothing gets stolen or too busted. We get no visitors except a stray here or there. It's usually just us old folks who stay after our kids help us in the summer rush. I said, wow, I had no idea. Well, I am definitely going to see a different side of this town. It was nice to see you again, Miss Brecker. I'm going to the store to pick up a few things. She said, of course, it was great to see you. Also, I want to say again, I'm really sorry that your grandpa is gone. He was an extremely important part of our community. Irreplaceable. He has given us so much guidance and we all feel lost without him. He was here for so long and he knew so much about this town and the history of it. I said, oh, so like a historian? She said, yes, like that. I said, I'm glad to know that he was well-loved in this town. I turned to leave and took a few steps when Mrs. Brecker called out, Celeste, before you go, make sure to stay in at night. There are quite a few bears that wander at night, so leave your porch light on to keep them away. I looked at her and I said, thank you, Mrs. Brecker. I'll keep that in mind. See you tomorrow. I started walking away again and she called out again. Celeste, please remember that. I'll call you to remind you. I looked over my shoulder and said, okay, no worries. I'm sure I'll be all right. As I walked toward the store, I stared at the red leaves on the oak trees. The lake was known for its clear water and its unique ring of oak trees. They were the only oaks for miles around in the pine forest. I never realized how all the leaves were all so red in the fall. I entered the store and the shopkeeper looked up. I said, hello, Mr. Gomez. Hello, Celeste. It's been so long. It's a surprise to see you here. I walked around the store as I talked. I know, it's been about three years. I've been really busy at college and going out with friends. That's great. You definitely should enjoy that, he said. So why are you here and not your parents? My parents are both really busy and couldn't get more time off. Their companies have had some bad luck lately. They said that since I was so close to Grandpa Eric, I could sort through his things, I guess. Don't you have school? he asked. Well, I was able to take a week off since I don't have any major assignments due. I set my items on the counter, and he began to scan them. He nodded and said, I see. I want to say I know your grandpa loved you very much, and it's a terrible loss for everybody. I sighed and said, thank you, Mr. Gomez. He finished scanning the items, and I helped him bag everything. He had some missing fingers, which made it slightly harder for him. I paid and started turning to leave and said, have a good night, Mr. Gomez. He loudly said, wait! I was slightly startled and looked back at him. He looked very serious and said, Please, stay in after sunset. It can be very dangerous. Oh yeah, Miss Brecker told me about the bears. I didn't know they were such a problem in fall.
He said, yes, the bears. You must be very careful. Every fall and winter, they come out and terrorize us. You can see their eyes in the darkness, so you must keep your lights on. I said, um, okay, I'll make sure to do that. Bye. Mr. Gomez shouted as I left the door, bye, and remember the lights, Celeste. As I walked to my car, I thought it was kind of weird how both Mrs. Brecker and Mr. Gomez were so adamant about the bears and to leave my lights on. I never knew that bears would be so deterred by lights, but I definitely didn't want them breaking into my grandpa's house. But the thing that bothered me the most was how worried they looked, especially since I knew they were both hunters and could easily scare off bears. I was just so confused by their fear. I loaded the groceries into my car and drove down the road, passing by tall wooden houses and cabins. Most were dark brown with some green and red splashes of color on the trim or roof. My grandpa's house was the closest to the lake and near the end of the road. I pulled up to the front of the house and it was just like I remember. It was a three-story dark green house with dark brown trim. The garage was at the bottom level since the house was built on a gentle slope towards the lake. You had to walk up the stairs to get to the living room and the kitchen. I hauled my suitcase and the groceries up the stairs, then opened the door. The air was so still and smelled dusty, but the room was warm and bathed in the last rays of sunlight. On the left of the door was a kitchen with an island that faced the living room. On the right of the door was a bathroom and a large walk-in closet. I looked around at all of the pictures hung up on the walls. My grandfather loved to surround himself with pictures of family. I smiled slightly at all of the good memories. The pictures showed us dressed up in silly costumes, catching big fish, or building forts with big sticks and bedsheets in the forest. Summers were so carefree and joyful. My grandpa was always joking around and making us laugh. I crossed the living room to look out the sliding glass door to the lake. It was as giant as I remember. I could barely see the houses on the other side. I stared intensely at the water, wondering where he had been found. Some neighbors found my grandpa in the middle of the lake dead, facing up, staring at the moon. He didn't drown. He had no injuries or sign of any other illness that could have killed him. The only theory was that he walked into the lake and just died from the cold. It was all so strange and nobody had any good answers. When I attended his funeral, I remember his face was so blank and I couldn't tell what he had felt when he had died. Tears welled up in my eyes and I could only hope he had found some peace. I stepped out onto the deck and walked down the stairs. I could see the small pier and my grandpa's boat anchored to the far right. The lakeshore was only about 10 feet away from the bottom step. I reached down and touched the water. It was freezing cold, so unbearably cold. I shivered and stepped back from the lake. I couldn't imagine what was going on in my grandpa's head as he stepped out into the dark water. I was startled by a phone ringing in the house and quickly went inside. I picked up the phone and said, hello? Hi, Celeste. This is Miss Brecker. Just making sure you are safe inside and have the lights on? Hi, Miss Brecker. I'm inside and I'm going to turn the lights on right now. She said, very good. If you need anything, let me know, okay? Just call. I will. Have a good night, Mrs. Brecker. She said, good night. I hung up the phone and flicked the porch and the deck lights on. 
I put away the groceries and pulled my suitcase past the kitchen to the hallway that had the stairs and the first floor bedroom. It was my old room during summer. It had old books and toys neatly in the bookcase, and the walls were covered with pictures, old certificates, and posters of animals. The room didn't smell as dusty as I thought it would. I hadn't been there in a really long time. The room was tidy, which is unlike me, and the sheets looked well kept. Tears slid down my cheeks as I realized my grandpa had been regularly washing the sheets and cleaning my room. He had been waiting for me to come back and visit. I sat down on the bed and curled up into a ball. I cried and cried as the sun finally dipped down behind these mountains and cast the town into darkness. I woke up suddenly. The room was dark, and I could see the faint glow of the porch light through the curtains. I got up and turned on the hallway light. I checked my phone, and the time was 12.01 a.m. I stepped into the living room and looked out the glass doors. I couldn't see past the glow of the light or the railing of the deck. It was pitch black. As my eyes adjusted more, I could barely see the glow of the moon reflected into the water. I opened the glass door and looked up at the half moon. It was weird how bright it was in the sky and on the trees, but it didn't seem to reach the water. I freaked out a little and quickly slid the door shut and locked it. I felt wide awake and decided to watch a movie. I sat down at the couch that faced the opposite way of the lake. As I watched the movie, I moved around trying to find a good spot on the couch. The movie was darkly lit and the deck light was really annoying by reflecting in the screen. There was no curtain or blinds on the glass doors. I got up and looked in the closet and found the big lantern. I turned off the deck light and placed the lantern on the floor in front of the stairs. It was bright and out of the way. I looked out across the lake and realized that some of the houses were really brightly lit with floodlights. But I didn't think the bears would bother me as long as I had left the porch light on and had this lantern. I walked back inside and enjoyed the rest of the movie, until I drifted asleep again. I woke up to the TV grayed out and the room was dark. I knew the lantern had died. I checked my phone and it was 3.27 a.m. I cursed myself for not putting in new batteries into that lantern. I sat up and looked towards the sliding doors and froze. My body was cold as I stared at two shiny eyes. It was a large black shape crouched at the corner by the stairs. I couldn't move. I couldn't think except stare as it stared right back. Suddenly it moved and another pair of eyes turned to look at me. The black shape straightened out, and I could see two kid figures. I laughed a little and realized that I had been holding my breath. I got up and walked to the glass doors. I called out to the kids and said, You really scared me, guys. I thought you were a black bear. They shuffled back a step into the moonlight and kept their heads down. I could see now that both of them wore gray shirts and gray shorts. They said, Please help us. We snuck out into the woods, they said in soft, quiet voices. I called out and said, well, your parents are going to be very worried, so please help us. We know it's bad. I almost reached the door and stopped. Something felt so wrong. These kids were acting so weird. Thoughts raced through my head. Why were they here? 
Who were their parents? I didn't recognize them, so they weren't local. What is wrong? It's, it's wrong. It's wrong. It was spinning in my head. My skin felt clammy and my heart was pounding loudly, but my mouth kept talking because of politeness or the oldest sibling authority that I had running in me. And I automatically said, Hey, come on in. One of the kids' hands shot out and grabbed the handle. They slammed it open with ease. Hey, you're going to break it, I said. I stepped closer and they both lifted their heads. The moonlight shone on their faces and showed how pale and gaunt they were. But their eyes were all black. Not covered in shadows, but like shiny black ink. I stepped back and said, hey, are you all right? I noticed three more kids to the right. I said, hey, where did you come from? The first two kids said, we need to know who you are. Are you welcome? And they started to move inside. Hey, wait, I said. I noticed even more kids showing up left and right. It wasn't possible. There was only one set of stairs to the right and they were absolutely quiet. More kids were running into the living room, bumping and pushing into each other. And they all had those same black eyes. I moved back, my terror growing. Who are you? I heard a loud whisper. Who are you? And it echoed around the room. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? I frantically looked at the kids, but none of their mouths were moving. They were quickly surrounding me and the loud whisper grew louder. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Get the hell out of here! Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? This is the keeper's house. I rolled around and I saw a giant black wave looming over me. I saw that it was the conjoined bodies of the kids. Their pale arms and legs distorted and writhing in the large mass. Their black eyes were wide, staring intensely at me. I screamed and jumped over the couch and landed on the edge of the table, the remotes flying off. The black wave of bodies lunged at me and hovered over me. Their faces stared at me and they said, Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? I sobbed out, Celeste. The wave stopped and the eyes all looked at me. Celeste, it whispered over and over and over and over again. I started slowly sliding back. It moved back and shuddered, all of the arms and legs kicking and waving frantically. I moved back even further. It said, help us, help us, help us. The keeper is dead, he's dead, he's dead. Free us. I slid back more and my hand landed on the remote. The TV flashed on with a bright white screen. The creature screamed and ran out of the door. I stared at the door just in shock. After a moment, I quickly pushed myself up and winced at the pain in my side. I turned on the living room light, then closed the glass sliding door while flipping on the deck light. I scrambled throughout the whole house, flipping on all of the lights. I tore through the closet and found all of the flashlights and lanterns. I grabbed extra batteries and placed them on the table in the living room. I wrapped my grandpa's large hunting jacket around me. I lay down on the floor and looked out the glass door from the space under the couch. I clutched a flashlight tightly to my chest. It was overwhelming, the fast beating of my heart as the blood rushed through my veins. I could feel the tightness in my chest and my body shaking. The tears streamed down my face as I tried to figure out what the hell just happened. I kept replaying what happened over and over in my head until sunrise.
As the sun peeked out between the trees, I sat up and winced hard as the pain shot through my side. I lifted my shirt up and saw a large bruise forming on my side. I pulled myself up and headed towards the kitchen for some water. My hand shook slightly as I drank, and I could feel my clothes sticking to my skin from sweat. I went to my room and quickly changed into fresh clothes, but I put on my grandpa's jacket because it was still warm and dry. I grabbed an apple and I munched on it as I thought about the shops that could possibly be still open. I needed to talk to Ms. Brecker or Mr. Gomez or any one of my grandpa's close friends. They had to know what was happening. They had tried to warn me, but about bears. But my body just wanted to run. Why? Why didn't I just run out of here? Just get the hell out of this town? I put my head in my hands and I could faintly smell my grandpa's cologne. If everyone knew, then he knew. Miss Brecker said he was a town historian. It was obvious everyone greeted him with respect and he got many free favors. He had some control over this place and they called him the keeper. Why did he stay in a place like this? Was he trapped here? Did those monsters force him into the water the night he died? There were so many questions swirling around my head and I needed answers. I headed into town to the main street plaza. I saw that a lot of cars were parked in front of Maggie's Diner. It was one of the most popular and oldest restaurants in town that many locals went to in the summer. It seemed like everyone was there this morning. I walked into the restaurant and was greeted by all the older locals and old neighbors. They said their condolences and I thanked them while I made my way towards the back of the restaurant. The diner hadn't changed much over the years. It had red leather booth seats and chairs set against light brown wooden paneling. There were a couple of antiques hung up on the walls and old pictures that showed some of the history and old residents of the town. I found Miss Brecker sitting with another local who wore an eye patch, Miss Beltran. I sat down to join them. Miss Brecker asked, How did you sleep last night, Celeste? I said, Why don't you take a wild guess? She looked at me and said, I'm sorry, I'm not sure what. I cut her off. It would have been really nice if you had put some more emphasis on how insane it is in here. She said, Honey, I told you about those bears. I said, they weren't any damn bears. She looked at me with wide eyes. I know why you didn't say anything. Because who would ever believe a story as crazy as being attacked by black-eyed children in their house? She shakily said that they came into your house. Yes, I said. And I need to know how my grandfather is involved and why they said he was the keeper. She looked away, twisting her napkin, and said, I don't even know where to begin. I shouted, I know that everyone knows about those children. The diner went quiet, and everyone turned to stare at me. Their faces were all a mix of emotions, but all had fear in their faces. Miss Brecker stood up and faced everybody. She said, there's no time like the present. We need to discuss the events that happened last night. Some hissed and said, no, don't. She said, okay. All those in favor of discussing it and explaining to Celeste, 
raise your hand. A majority of hands rose into the air. There was some slight bickering, but Miss Brecker nodded and said, Majority wins. Also, there is no use in hiding. As we know, they are not discreet. We should have known better that they would show themselves. Celeste had seen and invited the children into her house. There were a few gasps from the crowd, which really worried me. I didn't invite them in, I said. She said, that's the only way they come in, is if they're invited. Those things were watching all of us last night until about 3.30 a.m. That must have been when they went into your house. I thought back and I realized I had done it. Damn it. She looked back at everyone and said, They mentioned for the keeper. It seems they're still willing to uphold the contract. I looked at her confused. I asked, what contract? They asked they wanted to be freed. How do you know that? She said, you're still here because of the contract your grandfather drafted with them in order to keep peace. These things were just a legend. Something we told tourists and kids around the campfire. You would have an occasional person who proclaimed they had a real encounter. But they were usually laughed off. These creatures really awakened about 30 years ago. It happened after the first death in the lake in over 75 years. A child had fallen overboard without their life jacket. They had tried to swim back to the surface and his mother had gone to help him, but they both got hit by a propeller. There was so much blood and that child and mother died in the lake. They were your grandmother and uncle. I gasped. I knew that it was a horrible accident, but I had never been told the details. I never pried into it because it was one of the only things he did not like to talk about, and I never wanted to hurt him, so I never had asked. She continued, That fall, the leaves of the oaks all turned blood red, and when they started to fall, those monsters came out to terrorize everyone. Horrible things started to happen. A never-ending nightmare. Even people who left Lost Oak were followed by tragedy. We never knew nothing. We could do nothing. We even tried to kill them, but it just angered them. The nightmare got worse, and after the last leaf fell off the oak trees, they have free reign to travel beyond the town. They plagued our families, even those who had never visited the lake. Once your mother fell pregnant with you, your grandfather, Eric, frantically called to them. He was the one who made the contract. He promised them access to one person each year. I asked him, what do you mean, access? She said, he did this for you and all of us. So many of us were suffering and dying. His contract forbade them from hurting us or our families. Each year, we helped him select one tourist for the creatures to do what they wanted. I said, what they wanted? From what your grandfather Eric has gathered, she said, they are bad luck personified. Anyone who crosses their paths are tainted with misfortune, insomnia, night terrors, anxiety, if you're lucky. But they have to be invited into your life or your home in order for the worst like fires, accidents, disfigurement, suicide, death, due to the contract, 
we were spared from all of this, but we transferred all of that to one soul. I said, so you let one person take the brunt of all of that? And my grandpa started this? She looked me dead in the eyes. He saved us. He was the one who bore the brunt of all of it. He made sure the people we picked were scum. He was dedicated to finding and bringing people who deserved punishment. I exclaimed, I can't believe this. He and everyone have been doing this for years? She calmly said, yes, look at this. She unbuttoned the top of her shirt and showed a huge red raised burn on her chest. They looked painful still. She said, this is what happened to me. You've seen Mr. Gomez's lost fingers and Miss Beltran's lost eye. These are just a few things that happened to us. We were all attacked for years. We wouldn't have survived this long if it wasn't for your grandfather and the contract. I rubbed the sides of my head and squeezed my eyes shut. My thoughts were whirling around my head and I could barely follow along. But there were some things I still needed to know. I looked up and asked, what people did he pick? She said each one was the worst criminal he could bribe to come with fake contest winnings. We picked child predators, rapists, killers who got away with light sentences. I nodded. It was a twisted sort of justice, but I couldn't blame them. I asked, did those things kill my grandpa? She said quietly, yes, we all think so. I asked, why? She looked down and just shook her head. We have no idea, and that's what scares us. I put my head between my hands. God, it was too much. I felt Miss Brecker's hand on my shoulder, and she said, Oh, honey, you go back home. Take a nap for now, because it's easier in the day. We'll come back to check up on you later, okay? Please go rest. I looked up and said, Okay. I looked out at everyone. They looked as unsure as what I felt. What the hell is going on in this place? Miss Brecker had a plate of breakfast boxed up for me and I walked out to my car. I drove back to my grandpa's house in a daze. I barely tasted the pancakes and the eggs. Everything was running through my head over and over again. I laid down in my bed and I just stared up at the ceiling. I was afraid to close my eyes. I got up and I had to move around. I gathered up some cardboard boxes and started sorting through the things in the house. I quickly went through the stuff to keep or donate in my room. When I got to the pictures, I felt conflicted when I looked at my grandpa's face. His warm smile and bright eyes showed no hint of the suffering he went through, but I knew he had a good reason for everything he did. He was smart and kind and so humble. I couldn't imagine him hiding this from everyone, from me. I went upstairs to clean out my grandpa's room. Its window faced out towards the lake and it smelled like his cologne inside. The walls were covered with family pictures, carved wooden plaques that he made himself, and his favorite cool antique fishing lures. There were pictures spanning decades. 
On his dresser was a picture of my aunt and uncle before they died. It was right next to the metal urn that held both of their ashes. There were other pictures scattered there, along with the 4th of July card we sent him months ago. I looked through his closet, and his clothes were all old and well-worn. All my life, he had the same style of plaid shirts, worn jeans, and the rare festive shirt. The smell of his cologne was stronger. I pulled his hunting jacket closer to me and zipped it up higher. I noticed his favorite cowboy boots peeking out. I bent down to get it, and I pulled on the corner of a black cloth. I noticed it covered a small safe tucked in the corner behind the shoe rack. It had a keypad and a keyhole on the front. I tried a couple combinations of numbers, but I was afraid I was going to get locked out. I knew my grandpa always liked to be prepared and would definitely have a key hidden somewhere. Suddenly, I heard knocking on the doors downstairs. I jumped up and realized it had to be Miss Brecker. I quickly ran across the hallway just to make sure and looked out the front window. I could see Miss Brecker and Mr. Gomez downstairs. I went downstairs and opened the door. Miss Brecker held out a box filled with frozen pizza. She said, I am so sorry. I know it's not home cooked, but Mr. Gomez said it was your favorite. I'm so sorry I didn't have time to cook anything. I chuckled a little and said, thank you. Do you want to come in? Miss Brecker and Mr. Gomez looked at each other. Mr. Gomez said, we wanted to make sure that you were okay. And if you had any more questions. We're going to have a town meeting to elect a new keeper. You are invited if you would like. I said, what? I don't live here. I don't think I have much of a say. Mr. Gomez said, Celeste, since those things entered your house, you are now a part of this. And there is no keeper. We have no idea how long they're willing to wait or keep the contract. So please be careful. They might be most attracted to you because of your link to your grandfather. Miss Brecker said, We have the meeting in an hour at one at City Hall. Also, sunset is in six hours. Be sure to be inside by then. I said, okay, thank you both. I'm still trying to process everything. Miss Brecker said, oh, we understand, honey. Just rest up, dear, okay? We said our goodbyes and I turned back inside. I had no idea who they would pick, but they had the knowledge of who would best handle this. I went back to my grandpa's room and I eyed the safe again. I started looking through his drawers for the key. After a few minutes, I thought anything in that safe must be extremely valuable, so the key would be kept in a place easy to reach and meaningful. I sat on his bed and rubbed the quilt that he had had for ages. I laid down and faced towards the safe. I could see it perfectly from that angle. I flipped over, and the one thing my eyes focused on was the shiny metal urn. I got up and I opened the lid and looked inside. It was filled with a plastic bag of ash. I winced as I reached under the plastic bag and I felt around, finding the jagged edge of the key. I pulled it out and put the lid back on. I said a quick sorry to my grandma and uncle, and I quickly went over to the safe and opened it up. Inside were several binders with tax documents and other paperwork. There were several notebooks inside as well. I opened one and read the entry. It was my grandpa's handwriting, and it said, Last night, the dark creatures were quiet. They did not venture beyond the water's edge. 
They seemed pleased with the offering last month and have remained calm. I looked at the date. It was from two years ago. I quickly started reading through the journals, searching for what he had learned. I read from several entries. The children are dark beings that fear the light. They are kept at bay by bright floodlights, but fire and solar lights work best, as they can short out the electricity. These dark creatures do not seem to have high intellect nor distinct personalities. Their main purpose is to gain entry into a house and spread their bad luck. They seem to vary in dress and in the way they speak, ranging from the Civil War era to the present. However, they are not children. They are disguised, like a wolf in sheep's clothes, to feign weakness. They are liars. They say anything to torment you, to bring you outside, or for you to open the door and let them in. Because once your paths cross, surely misfortune or death will soon follow. They are bad spirits, and it seems the lake is their nest. They hide in the darkness of the lake where the light doesn't reach. Various methods to exterminate them have failed. They are distrusting by nature and seem to have a never-ending reserve of bodies. Guns, traps, fires, and explosives do not stop them. The body they inhabit stays alive until daybreak. The body turns into a husk, then to ash. We can only hope that the dark spirit is cleansed from the body. I shuddered and reached for another journal. I saw a page with giant letters that said, They are liars. I read the entry. They lied. I brought them three offerings. They were supposed to let me speak with Linda and Dylan. I paused for a second as I recognized my grandma and uncle's name. I kept reading the entry. They said they could connect us. I kept asking every night, and they said to wait. I waited all the way until spring, and as they went back to sleep, they just laughed in my face. They said how stupid I was for thinking darkness could reach beyond the great light. They refused to speak about it since. Before they slipped away, they said death is upon you. I sat back and tried to wrap my head around it. He had taken this task not only to protect me and my other family, but to reach his dead family. He had devoted his life to this mission, and they had just fooled him. I reached for the newest-looking journal and flipped through it. I realized it was only half-written in. I flipped quickly to the last entry. It was written the day of his death. I read... They were especially anxious tonight. They circled the house, whispering Celeste's name. When I confronted them, they said, Death is upon you. We will take Celeste as the new keeper. She is your connected young blood. Death will not wait much longer for you. He said, It's one of the few things you didn't lie about. He had found out he had cancer over five years ago. It was now untreatable. He accused them of cursing him with cancer, and they just stared right back at him with cold black eyes and with a few quiet snickers. He told them, none of my family will be a part of this. He said tomorrow night he would offer something they could not refuse. He would bargain his soul in order to make a pact with them. He knew they would take the deal all too easily, and it was the last thing he had to offer. 
the town would decide a new keeper quickly and uphold the contract after him. He said he was glad that his death would be for something good and it might atone for all the harm he had done. He was tired of the lies constantly hovered over him that he would be at peace knowing at least his family would be spared. Tears slipped down my cheeks as everything clicked into place. I hugged my knees to my chest and I couldn't believe he had hid all this pain and dark secrets. Why hadn't I seen it? How can I not feel the evil that had lived here? I turned my head and looked at all of the pictures on the wall. I had never seen him frown or being upset. He said that when we came to visit, it was the highlight of his year. He always made me feel safe and his smile was all I remembered. I closed my eyes and I rested my head against my knees and I just listened to the quiet creaking of the house and the soft crinkling of leaves as the wind blew gently through the trees. It was a beautiful place. It was so unbelievably quiet and peaceful. But I couldn't imagine my grandfather sitting here waiting for us. I wish I had visited him sooner. That I could have told him how much I loved him. And that he didn't have to face things so alone. That he meant the world to me. And that I would give anything to see him one last time. I sat there exhausted, and I listened to the rattle of the dried leaves. It was the silence that soothed me to sleep. Bang! 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 Startled, I woke up. I quickly stood up, and I saw the sun was low in the sky, settling fast. I heard Miss Berker yelling, Celeste! Celeste! I quickly ran downstairs and flung open the door. My heart was racing and Miss Brecker stood there, out of breath. She said, I'm here to take you to my house. The creatures have been already sighted and they're looking for you. I said, what? Already? The sun hasn't even set. She said, quickly, we have to get into your grandpa's boat. It is the fastest way to get across to my house. She was pulling me quickly through the living room and I yanked my arm back. I asked, how will you keep me safe? What's at your house? She said, it's the furthest from the lake and it has a safe room with solar-powered lights and with a backup. Mostly everyone else is going to hide in the two other safe rooms in town. Now let's go. I said, wait, let me grab a flashlight. She cried out, we don't have any time. I ran upstairs and grabbed my phone from my grandpa's room. I shoved everything back into the safe and chucked the key back into the urn. I opened his nightstand and found his old lighter and flashlight. I heard Miss Brecker run up the stairs. She pointed and said, look, the sun was almost gone as it dipped below the mountains. I ran outside with Mrs. Brecker. We jumped into the small boat and started the engine. As soon as we left the shore, I looked out over the house and saw several unlit torches staked into the ground. I looked across the water and saw a line of light wrapping around most of the lake. I looked back and I saw one person lighting the torches. I turned to Miss Brecker and asked, what are the torches for? She looked straight ahead and said, It's for our safety. As we sped over the lake, the sun dipped lower and lower. I yelled, We aren't going to make it! As I said that, I heard several other boats racing towards us. I looked around and at least five other boats were coming at us. Miss Brecker yelled, Don't worry, they're here to guide us. We all raced across the lake as the other boats drew closer. The sun finally dipped behind the mountains. 
and the lake was cast in darkness. I kept my eyes on the water, looking for any pale faces. Suddenly, the boat started to slow down. I whipped my head around, and we were only halfway across. I yelled, what's happening? Miss Brecker turned off the engine. The other boats pulled up in a circle around us. They also all turned off their engines. All that could be heard was the water lapping at the sides of the boat. They all pulled out torches and lit them, but they were far enough away that the light didn't reach us. I looked around, confused. Miss Brecker? She kept her head down and her eyes forward. I stared at her, and fear was bathing me in a cold sweat. I saw a small dinghy reach the side of our boat. Mr. Gomez hauled himself over the edge. He turned his head, but it was too dark to see the side of his face clearly. He said, Celeste, I'm sorry, but we can't take any more. I can't take any more. I was nominated as keeper when your grandfather died. But talking to those things, it would drive anyone insane. I asked, what do you mean? That's when we heard it. A soft knock, knock, knock on the side of the boat. Pale hands reached over the sides of the boat, and small heads slowly rose into view. The water ran off their hair, which looked completely dry. Their black eyes stared intensely at us. The weight of their presence set chills down my spine and my body tensed so hard I was quivering. I leaned back and felt the gas can next to the engine poke my back. I heard a whisper surround us. Permission to come aboard? Mr. Gomez said, permission granted. The black-eyed children scrambled onto the boat and about ten of them fit inside. They were all of various ages and wore different clothes, just like in the notebooks. They all turned towards me with their blank expressions and their black eyes directing their malice. I looked towards Mr. Gomez and Miss Brecker. They both had their heads down and were looking away. I said, you coward, you can't even look at me or them. Mr. Gomez said, I'm sorry, but I can't spend the rest of my life as the keeper to deal with them after they've already taken so much for me. I can't. I just shook my head in shock. He said, Grab her. I didn't have time to react at all. The hands were small but strong, and they gripped my arms and legs hard. One of them even grabbed my hair and yanked my head back to look at its eyes. I started screaming and said, No! I started wrestling against them. Everything fell out of my pockets and slid to the back. They pinned me to the floor and Mr. Gomez walked over. He looked down at me with pity in his eyes. He said, I am the keeper and the contract remains that people and families of Lost Oak Lake will not be harmed in exchange for an offering of one person. I kept struggling to free myself. I felt my arms had more wiggle room because of my grandpa's oversized coat. He continued, but I am transferring this title to Celeste. She will be the new keeper to uphold this contract. Do you accept her? I yelled, no! I twisted both of my arms free from the jacket and lunged for my phone. The black-eyed child holding my hair yanked me and fell back, but I was able to grab the lighter. 
I flicked it on and shoved it backwards into its face. It screamed and let go. The other children backed off a little towards the front of the boat. I heard Mr. Gomez shout, stay back. I dragged the lit lighter across my grandpa's jacket and it caught fire as I jumped back. The children started screeching as they hid behind Miss Brecker and Mr. Gomez. They both started yelling and Mr. Gomez yelled, do you accept this new keeper? The children kept screeching and I reached for the gas can. I poured it over the engine and then flinged it towards the fire. It burst into tall flames and the whole deck caught fire. I jumped into the water and started swimming frantically. I heard other bodies splash into the water and I saw the black-eyed children racing towards me. Beyond the sounds of shouting, boat engines started revving on. I heard a loud whisper say, we accept. As the black-eyed children dragged me under the water, the boat exploded. I felt the blast through the water and I saw the bright yellow-orange light of the fire. But the children dragged me down fast into the darkest part of the water. The water was so cold and I couldn't feel my arms or legs. The light of the fire slowly faded and I could barely feel the dark eyes that stared at me with hate. They whispered, you are ours. You will live out your days doing our bidding as we are the keeper of your soul. We laughed and I felt us rising towards the surface. As we rose towards the surface, I could see the full moon shining brightly in its silver glow. I felt so hopeless. I didn't know what to do. I was trapped in their cold, hard grasp and I couldn't do anything. And I felt my lungs slowly burning because I needed to breathe. As we got closer to the moon, it started getting bigger and brighter. The whispers started to sound concerned. And suddenly they let go and started frantically swimming away. The light was in the water and it was like an illuminated fog. It morphed and I could see my grandpa's face form out of the silvery light and his hands reached out for me. He pulled me out of the water and I started coughing. He gently patted my back. Then he spoke and said, I hope you can forgive me. I wish there had been a better way. I looked up in his face and I said, I'm sorry I didn't visit sooner. He hugged me close to his chest, his form solid, and he looked exactly like I remembered him. Besides a soft glow all around his body, he said, It didn't matter if you were here or not. I have lots of beautiful memories. I said, I thought you were gone forever. Those things took your soul, he sighed and said. Those bastards have no self-control and all lie. So when I made the deal, it was a trap. I knew they would break it eventually. I smiled a little and said, well, those things must be hellish. They even made you curse. We chuckled together and we heard a cry say, Eric! Floating by the wreckage was Mr. Gomez. My grandpa carried me and walked over the water towards him. The whole surface of the lake was illuminated by the moon's glow and made it look like a silver mirror. Mr. Gomez and Miss Brecker were floating together in some wreckage close to the still-burning boat. Their shirts were ripped and their faces were covered by ash. Miss Brecker was unconscious. Mr. Gomez looked at us shocked. My grandfather softly said, Stefan. 
tears streamed down Mr. Gomez's face and he said, I'm sorry, Eric. I didn't want to, but I, I was too weak. My grandpa said sadly, Stefan, I knew it was a lot to bear, but it still hurts to know you still did this. Mr. Gomez cried out, but we were all lost without you. Why didn't you say anything? We could have figured it out together. My grandpa replied, I was afraid that if I let anyone knew, they would sense the deception. Everyone had to believe this was genuine, that this was not a trap. Mr. Gomez asked, what are you talking about? My grandpa replied and pointed at Miss Brecker. The keeper ceremony that Miriam told you about, that was made up by me to keep them confined on the lake. I knew those creatures wouldn't give up, and this would happen eventually. I couldn't stop them, and I knew everyone in town was tired. That's why I let them take me. When they tried to make Celeste the keeper, they would break our deal, and I would be freed. Then I could bind them to the bottom of the lake, where all spirits of this lake and I think I can keep them trapped under the surface now. And you will all be safe now. Mr. Gomez asked, How, how do you know this will work? My grandpa sighed and said, If there's anything they hold sacred, it's deals made with blood, suffering, or souls. Mr. Gomez said, Eric, you crazy fool. Why couldn't you have stayed? My grandpa reached out for Mr. Gomez's hand and softly said, Stefan, it's okay. Mr. Gomez cried softly as my grandpa pulled him and Miss Brecker through the water. I felt warm against my grandpa's chest. Once we reached the shore, my grandpa gently set me down on my feet. I felt a chill in the air and wrapped my arms around myself. I looked at my grandpa and said, Will you be here? Can I see you again? He replied, I think this was an exception to a one-way road, sweetheart. I'm going to bind the creatures to the bottom of the lake. I'll make sure they never get out again. I asked, what if you get trapped there too? He smiled and said, they have nothing on me. But nothing scared me more knowing you would have to live with these creatures in the back of your mind forever. I'll be okay. I looked at him and said, Grandpa, I missed you so much. I don't want you to go again. He said, we will see each other again. He hugged me close to his chest and I hugged him back tightly. I let him go and he was turning back into a cloudy light. He walked backwards and the moonlight followed him down into the water. I called out, I love you. He called out, I love you too. He waved and his hand faded into the water. It was silent and still for a moment. Then I heard the screeching of the creatures and they all rushed out of the water. The torches were still lit and the light was strong. They yelled, help us, help us, help us. In their pathetic whiny voices, they tried to reach past the light but burned instantly. The moonlight swept over them, and they rushed back into the water. The screeching and the whispered rage was muffled, and then, after a final scream, the water trembled, then turned still. After a few moments, I heard the crickets chirping, 
and the creatures rustling in the woods. I realized during my whole stay, I had not seen or heard a single animal. I looked over at Mr. Gomez, and he started to say something. I just shook my head and said, It's over now. He nodded his head, and I helped him carry Miss Brecker back into the house. He started calling and letting the other locals know what happened. I went into my room and changed into dry clothes. It was a blur of faces as I walked out into the living room, as people rushed into the house and asked their questions. Mr. Gomez took the task of clearing up what happened. I stayed inside and I went back to my grandpa's room to get away from all of the craziness, and I started packing up all of the family pictures. When I got to the urn, I looked at it, unsure. I picked it up and took it outside. I could feel everyone's eyes on me as I approached the water's edge. I whispered, I know you said this was a one-way street, but if you can still hear me, let me know what to do with them. I waited for a while and I saw the moonlight shining over the urn. Suddenly, it tipped over and the lid flew off. I nodded and I took out the bag and ripped it open. I shook the ashes out and a sudden strong gust picked up the ashes and they danced over the water and they seemed to disappear into the moonlight. I stared out over the water and I saw that some of the torches had gone out already. I watched and waited, but I had no doubt that the black-eyed children were trapped. There was now a guardian for Lost Oak Lake. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Midnight Tale Podcast. I'm really excited to know what you thought about it and the whole lore of Lost Oak Lake. Please like and subscribe and follow us for more stories and adventures for the future. This is Celeste signing off. Until again, I'll see you in your dreams.